Welcome, everybody, to Gridirons and Goal Lines Football Podcast, episode 34. I'm Angelo. That's Taylor. Taylor, say hi to everybody all the way from Minnesota. It's not much colder here yet. <laughs> so Taylor is officially um, out of Indiana over at Minnesota. So to just put a reminder out there, everyone, we're going to be remote podcasting now for the foreseeable future. So... There may be some technical difficulties. I don't think there'll be a ton. We were able to, you know, do this pretty well over the summer with the whole, you know, virus thing. So we'll see how it goes. But just a quick reminder on that. But welcome back, everybody. We are so excited that we had a great first week of football and that the football season's even here. Um, I did have, I did put in the script. This is AKA season two of Grounds and Goal Lines. I have no idea if we're gonna really like go all into the seasons thing, but Taylor. Had a good idea for that. So season two of Grounds and Goal Line starts today. All right. Uh, what are we running today? Wouldn't it have started last week? No, Taylor, because I thought about that, <laughs> and you're right. But it's but it's going to officially start today. Okay. Sassing me from 14 hours away. I can't even believe 12. this guy. Can't even believe this guy. What are we running today? Well, we got the press release, because y'all missed that press release. We got the game summary, of course. We're going to go through every game, the hurry up. We're going to have pickums because remember, this is a pick'em podcast. And then we have a cool new weekly sub uh, segment as well that we're going to be getting into that, that we will be featuring every single week and that you guys are going to like. Uh, some different things today as well. Kickoff's going to be a little different than what you're used to. Uh, it's not be as long anymore. We really want to get to football sooner rather than just like, you know, football theory or whatever we just talked about last year. We learned a lot. All right. We got better. Maybe. Time will only tell. Taylor, where can people find us? Uh, pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found. Um, you know, mostly Spotify, but we're also on Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public. Not YouTube, because nobody asked for YouTube, and I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah, if you want to YouTube, remember, you've got to ask You've got to ask us. And the best way to do that is asking us at our Twitter, which is at G-G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E-S. That's the Great Arms and Goal Lines Football Podcast Twitter. If you have a question for us, if you say, we we want we want you to deliver the podcast in script form via Floating Dove, you would have to tweet us that. The answer will be no, but you have to tweet us that, okay? I'll uh, at least look into it. <laughs> Taylor will look into acquiring a hawk, maybe, that will deliver the script of the podcast to you. Uh, we'll even autograph the script. That'd be kind of dope. Can you look into that first, Taylor? Uh, we're in separate places. That would be too difficult to coordinate. Okay, so press release time. One of us, one of us will sign it. <laughs> press release time. First things uh, on the order, Allen Robinson is potentially wanting to be elsewhere, and the Browns want to shop OBJ, which was kind of a really surprising turn of events after week one for me. I think Taylor has different opinions of that. What teams want these guys, Taylor? Most of them. Most of them. I mean, is it safe to say that 31 teams want, want at least one of these guys, if not both of them? Maybe they could just do like a straight up trade. They could. That's be. I don't know if either one of them just want to do that though. <laughs> so here's my question though, because I was really kind of considering this, and I was thinking of Amari Cooper whenever the news of Robinson and OBJ came out, because I remember when Amari Cooper was getting shot by the Raiders, and here we go, Cowboys are trading an arm and a leg for Amari Cooper that made no sense, but then he had a, you know a really good time over in Dallas. I feel. Like this is a very eerily similar situation, and that Allen Robinson could be one of those guys where somehow the Bears trick somebody to get them a really high pick for a trade or something like that. I don't know because I also don't think they're willing to trade him because they have no one else on that offense. What do you think? 
do either one of these guys give you an Amari Cooper feel? Uh, so Allen Robinson kind of gives me the Amari Cooper feel. I think he could go somewhere else and end up like really helping out an offense. OBJ, like you know what you're getting with him. He's just good. He's not clicking with Baker Mayfield, and that's why they want to get him out of there. Yeah. But like someone's going to have to pay a high price to get him. They're going to have to pay his huge contract once he gets there. But you're getting a really talented number one receiver. Yeah, and we were kind of talking about this. The when you look at cap space available this year and next year, I'll tell you what, it's a scary thought, but the Patriots can afford both of these guys. No. <laughs> I don't – it's okay. I, I don't think they have the capital to trade for both these guys. That should make you feel no. better. But they definitely have the money to pay both of them, so we'll see what happens. Speaking of the Patriots and wide receivers, Mohamed Sanu was picked up by the 49ers this week on a one-year deal. Uh, obviously, this is – I mean, I feel like this is probably a response to the the week one loss. Maybe they feel like they didn't have enough firepower in the air. But Taylor did bring up a good point. Jimmy G didn't have a horrible game. He actually had a pretty decent game for him as far as passing the football goes. So uh, do you see Mohamed Sanu really picking up anything for this offense, Taylor? Yeah, I, I think he, that's a good acquisition for them. I, I think he'll be pretty helpful. Yeah, it feels, uh, if it you feels think really similar they... to Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I mean, honestly... The main reason for the 49ers loss, sure, Jimmy G didn't pop off or anything. Their offense isn't explosive, but it never is. Their defense is just weak to mobile quarterbacks, and Kyler Murray outscored them. Yeah, all right. Speaking of mono quarterbacks, I mean mobile quarterbacks, uh, let's go over to the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about Sam Darnold, but that was too funny of a, of a pun not to not to say. Le'Veon Bell is placed on IR, and due to the new IR rules, he will be placed on there for at least three weeks, so he's not going to be eligible to play until week five. They pick up Kellen Bellage, uh, who, had, who spent some time, I know, with Miami. Um, I mean, Taylor, is this already the beginning of the end for the Jets? No. <sighs> Hot take. Hot take. I think it definitely is. I I think the beginning was a while ago. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I... So Adam Gase puts Le'Veon Bell back in this game knowing he was hurt and just further, you know, uh, worsened the injury. So I don't know if Bell's a Jet next year. I really don't. And Adam Gase is... I mean, he already should probably, like, lose his job. And then kind of a fun fact uh, from week one, holding penalties were down 78% in this past week one compared to last season, which is really good because if you remember very early in the season, we held a whole episode on the penalties in the NFL and the increased amount of them. So (laughs) honestly, this is a small win for everybody. All right, let's head over to kickoff now. So this week's kickoff is we are going to discuss uh, our reaction to football with no fans. Because I think that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Um, I watched pretty much virtually every game. I watch I, I watch Red Zone on Sundays, unless the Titans are playing. Then I watch Red Zone and the Titans. So I really could feel every game. Uh, some people were pumping in uh, sounds. Some stadiums actually allowed some people to come to the games. Uh, but So, Taylor, what do we like about no fans at football? Um... Well, I think that one of the best one of the best parts about it is that like you can really hear what's happening uh, on the field. Yes, I agree. Uh, like just you know, you can always hear the quarterbacks yelling out audibles and stuff, but now you can hear every player out there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun uh, listening to everyone making their checks on the offensive line. Um, it's really fun. Like if you're watching a game from the beginning 
and you notice as the game progresses, you actually start to pick up on the signals and the plays that the quarterback's calling at the line of scrimmage. It's really cool, actually. It's an aspect of the game that we've never really been familiar with, and I feel like it's actually uh, a very cool, engrossing feature of the game now for fans to enjoy even more. I'm a big fan of it, and then I don't know if everyone noticed, but there were a, a lot more neutral zone infractions and you know defensive offsides penalties due to the hard counts all day long. They were talking yeah. about how hard counts are much stronger with no fans because typically mm-hmm. you can't even hear the quarterback uh, give the hard count. So now defenders are jumping all over the place. So I did like that part. It, it, it's, it's going to make for more disciplined football. Now, Taylor, what do we hate about it? There often just feels like there's less energy and also I can't go to games. <laughs> yeah. I, so I definitely think that there is this very weird monotone atmosphere of a football game. Now I think that we're going to get used to it. I think that we're going to end up liking it just fine, or it might just fade to something we don't notice anymore. That's probably mm-hmm. the most likely thing that's going to happen. I definitely didn't notice a difference between uh, funneling in noise and like having 500 people in the stands, you know? So um, I didn't think that was much of a difference at all. Um, how's it, yeah. how's it going to impact the game, Taylor? If they go well, so, the first eight weeks, what do you see? So there's the discipline part, like you mentioned, and also it just really cuts down on home field advantage. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, okay, I will say this about home field advantage. I can't remember which game it was I was watching, but uh, the home team was pretty much amplifying the uh, stadium noise to like, 10 times the offensive decibel rate, obviously when the team is on defense. And so I'm wondering, do you agree with, with teams who are at home when they're on defense, amplifying the decibels of the funneled in crowd noise? Not at all. Yeah. I, I think it's a really cheap tactic and I think the NFL Mm -hmm. should look into it because I noticed that most teams were doing that. If they were on defense, the sound increased. And I think that's just unfair. Like you have to deal with the elements. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe, so you either have to, to make it a thing, right. And every team needs to do it or it just feels like cheating. It was the Rams game. I just remembered it. It was so far. They funneled in, uh, they increased it. I think 10 times the rate that the Rams are on offense to on when they're on defense, they increased it 10 times what the decibel rate was. And I was just like, that's, that's such an inauthentic part of this game. So I wasn't happy about mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Taylor, I think you're correct. You know, this, the discipline is going to have to be big. And I think that team leaders are going to have to be better as well. Like they're going to need to be better at pumping their team up. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. All righty. Now it's time for the two minute drill. Uh, I like this week's topic a lot. And so I figured we nef- we definitely need to put t- uh, two minutes on it. So this week's topic is which rookie were you most impressed with in week one? We can also just talk about in general, which, which rookies impressed us. So that's what we're going to go with. We're going to put two minutes on the clock. And Taylor, do you want to start us off? Oh, uh, no, you can go All first. All right, I'd like to go first. Listen, Joe Burrow was without a doubt way more surprising than I think anyone anticipated. And his touchdown run was so entertaining. If you weren't entertained by his little like control of his offensive lineman on the design quarterback draw to get a touchdown, then I mean, I don't, you're just lame, I guess like you're, you're, you're a hater. <laughs> and and that's why I said on Twitter as if you didn't love it, you're a hater. It was really exciting to watch. Um, I also was kind of overly impressed with um, 
uh, uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. I didn't expect mm-hmm. him to have that type of game. I really didn't. And uh, was pretty impressive uh, with that. So that was really cool. Uh, so those guys are the ones that really impressed me the most, I'd say. And it, I just think yeah. that Joe Burrow. Oh, that's another thing, real quick. Zach Taylor should apologize to Joe Burrow. Because Zach Taylor, knowing that his team is not going to get a wild card, they're not going to win the division, anything like that, they may not even get five wins, should have gone for it on fourth down and given the ball to Joe Burrow and tried to have him win his first career game. It was it was <laughs> such a sad thing to watch them go for a field goal and then miss it for the for the loss. All right, Taylor, take it away. All right, so I obviously I, I agree on the Edwards uh, Edwards Alaire thing, and then the thing about Joe Burrow, if you guys listened last year. I was never high on Joe Burrow. Nope. And, I mean, I still don't think he's an amazing talent who's going to single-handedly carry the Bengals to success, but I was quite impressed with how he played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was very good. Also, Chase Young exists. Yeah, Chase Young's good. And then, and then not to go with a big-time name, I actually think that LaVisha Chennault Jr., uh, you know, he only had three catches in that, in that win over the Colts, but he with the Jags beat the Colts. So I think that's just impressive that he was able to incorporate himself in what looks like a pretty bad offense and get himself a, a touchdown in his first rookie game. So good for LaVisca. Yeah. All right. And that was a good little two minute warning. We're going to head now to the new segment. That I like to call bangers and busts. So essentially if you watched the first Sunday of football, you saw a lot of things that surprised you and you saw a lot of things that disappointed you. Underwhelming and overwhelming. So every week now, Taylor and I are going to each select a player of the week for most impressive performance or maybe the most overwhelming performance, you know, and the most underwhelming performance. So essentially that's what we're going to be doing now every week. And uh, we'll start off with Taylor. Let's go. Let's both do our most impressive performances that we found in week one. Why don't you go? Okay. All right, so uh, those of you who've been listening for a while know, like, Angela loves to come up with these nice little segments for us to do, and I like to immediately destroy whatever rules he's come <laughs> up with for them. So my my singular pick for best player of the week is the combination Ugh. of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Thanks a lot. Yeah, he literally ruined my segment immediately. <laughs> All right, give, give, give us a brief rundown on why. Uh, so the, the Packers last year were pretty anemic on offense and probably the worst 13 and three team to ever go 13 and three. And then this week, Aaron Rodgers tossed like 38 touchdown passes to Devonte Adams. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was kind of nuts at one point at the end of the, the second quarter, uh, Aaron Rodgers threw two touchdown passes in 25 seconds of game time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That was neat. Yeah, that was definitely an impressive duo. Uh, so my my big uh, surprising player of the week actually was Benny Snell Jr. So mm-hmm. essentially what happened, if you watched the Pittsburgh uh, Giants game, which probably not a lot of you did because it's Pittsburgh Giants, a uh, pretty lackluster Monday night game. Essentially what happens in this game is James Conner becomes useless. I think he had nine carries for six yards, or maybe it was vice versa. But essentially – he can't do anything in this game. So here comes Benny Snell. You know, he's drafted last year as a rookie. Last year, he doesn't do a whole lot as a rookie. Averages 3.9 yards, which is fine. But overall, it you know, this is a mess of an offense. So here he comes, Benny Snell. Even though the Giants are stopping James Conner, who everyone predicted to have a great year this year, here comes Benny Snell now. 
19 carries, 113 yards, is the third leading rusher in the league after one week, 5.9 yards in average. Didn't get a score, didn't get a catch, but the dude just ran hard. And what I was saying about this Giants defense as well over the offseason, if you listen, is this Giants defense is definitely better than it's been in many recent years. And the fact that this kid, Benny Snell, can come in here and he can rush for over 100 yards and help his team secure this win was pretty impressive. So he's going to be my banger for the week, for week one. That's a pretty good segue for me because my bust for week one is Saquon Barkley. Yes. Holy moly. How many quarterbacks had more he rushing had yards than Saquon in week one? Probably most of yes. them. He had six. Oh, gosh. Whew. Yeah, uh, that was really brutal to watch. Taylor, what, yeah, what, it, what do you think happened with that? Honestly, it's just the, the Steelers have a great front seven. I pointed that out over over the offseason. Um, there's a lot of really good front sevens in that division. And I don't know. The, the Steelers just are better. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. Okay, uh, leading to my bus now, and I hate to do this, but my bus is Phil Rivers because, first of all, no one should have lost the Jags week one. The Jags should have been the, <laughs> the team that no matter what was going to lose week one. They could have played any of the other 31 teams, and I would always pick the other team over the Jags, 100%. The Jags were supposed to be the worst team in the league, and Phil Rivers made them look like a playoff contender is essentially what happened. You know, and it sucks as I'm looking at his deal here. He had almost 80% completion percentage, just over 78%, which is honestly pretty good for him, pretty high for him. But as I said before, uh, over the offseason, Phil Rivers is going to put the Colts in situations that their defense just can't get them out of anymore because of his lack of clutch play. So he threw two interceptions. He just wasn't playing well when he needed to play well. And honestly, the, the loss is on him, I think, because that defense can only do so much. Uh, so so on top of the, the two interceptions, he also threw a third interception that got called back. Yeah. So that's so Phil Rivers is my bust week one, and I mean, I, I hope it changes in week two, but I don't know. All right, we're going to run the... I, real quick, okay. no, I have, a, I have a dishonorable mention. A dishonorable mention for bust? <laughs> Correct. All right, all right, I like it. It is whoever made the week one schedule... Yes. And gave us those Monday night games and that Thursday night game. Yes. What? You should be fired, especially for the Thursday night game. In my opinion, at least one of those Monday night games was exciting for some people. No. Well, so the fourth quarter of the Broncos-Titans game was a blast. (laughs) The first three quarters of that game, no. We're not. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys heard us gripe about uh, the scheduling for week one. We, we could have had um, Saints-Bucks, which, sure, you look at that game now, we're going to talk about it in a minute, maybe that's not what we want, but still, like Saints-Bucks, Cards-Niners, they were games that should have been in primetime that were not in primetime. Anyway, we're going to run the hurry up now. So as everyone remembers, uh, the hurry up is going to be 30-second opinions of each game uh, throughout the week. So... A lot of times it's going to be either myself talking about a game or Taylor talking about a game. Sometimes we allow each other to squeeze in opinions. <laughs> uh, but we're going to try our best to stick to 30 seconds. As you guys know, sometimes we're not good at that. Okay? So we're going to start here uh, with Thursday Night Football last week, which was Texans and Chiefs. And we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and we're going to go. Taylor, what do you got to say about Texans Chiefs? 
Bill O'Brien should fire himself. Can Bill O'Brien fire himself? Yeah. Well, then he probably should. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Patrick Mahomes, my goodness. The man is so good at football. And honestly, that offensive line, so bad for the for the Texans. Laramie Tunsil is making a lot of money to do nothing. And it's really sad. Patrick Mahomes was surgical in this game, which is terrifying because he was an amazing gunslinger who could just throw the ball however he wanted. Now he can be precise. Yes, I agree. Moving on, the Jets and Bills. I mean, so the score of this is 17-27. Don't be deceived by that. This game is pretty much just like 27-0. to zero. Uh, The Jets, I think they had, some, they had some cupcake points here at the end. But for the most part, Josh Allen was pretty good, although he did fumble the ball, I think, twice. Uh, so that wasn't very good of him. You got any opinions yeah. on Jets-Bills? No. All right. <laughs> it wasn't that exciting of a game, really. Packers and Vikings. Taylor, you have more opinions of this game than I do, I think. Yeah, so this was a nine-point win for the Packers, which is a lot in this league, but it was more than that. They had such a massive lead, and they just... The the Packers all last year had a lot of close games because they would have a massive lead going into the second half and just let up. Right. Which I don't think is bad as long as you keep winning those games. That's fair. That's fair. All righty. I don't have much opinion on that game, honestly. Uh, let's move over to the Washington football team and Taylor's Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Carson Wentz is not even close to being elite. I don't think he's even above average, and I think this game proved it. This defense for the Washington football team isn't good, guys. They've got Chase Young, and they've got Ryan Kerrigan, and they've got Landon Collins. This defense isn't good. There's no point in the Eagles uh, scoring 17 points and losing 17.7 to this team. I'm not going to say that Carson Wentz wasn't at all at fault here. He definitely was. But that O-line really let him down. Do you know how many times he was sacked this game? Too many. I know Ryan Kerrigan got in two, and, and that dude is old. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the Colts and Jags game. Taylor, I'll let you talk about this one. Okay, so as you guys know, I am a big fan of Gardner Minshew. <laughs> So Taylor was very excited for the results of this game. <laughs> my my opinion starts and ends there. So the Jaguars beat the Colts twenty seven to twenty, and it it was crazy to watch. Um, a lot of people are doubting the Colts now. I don't know if you can doubt the Colts now, but you've got to. The Colts are bad week one historically. Yeah. To be fair, they lose a lot of week one games. Yeah, definitely don't feel good about Phil Rivers right now, though. Oh gosh, I guess we'll talk about the. The Ravens spanking the Browns 38-6, to and honestly, the score should have been a lot, uh, a lot higher than that, I think. They just really pulled up and started running the football. The Ravens did. But this just wasn't a good game for Baker. Baker Mayfield is not good at football, and this game proved it. Okay, so this was not a good game for Baker, and I didn't really get to get this in, so I'm going to go over 30 seconds here because I want to say this. OBJ had two catches on 11 targets. Baker Mayfield keeps throwing it to OBJ when he's not open, so I think they'll get better if they get him off the team. But anyway, the Browns team is better than this. Don't be confused. The Browns are not going to lose any other games by 32 points this season. The Ravens are that good. Yeah, that's probably a true statement. All right, let's move to the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Panthers. The Raiders pulled this off 34-30, to and honestly, I was pretty surprised by this. Uh, if you've been listening to this on the offseason, I keep saying how the Panthers are going to be one of the more exciting offenses this year. But man, the Raiders' defense showed up when they needed to show up. Uh, but really, the big thing here is Matt, Matt Rule, on a crucial fourth and in inches, gave the ball to his fullback instead of Christian McCaffrey, and that's why the Panthers lost this game. And that's why they're going to lose a lot of games, because Matt Rule is going to be a bad head coach. 
Yeah. <laughs> the Raiders, I think, just kind of did better than I expected. Josh Jacobs popped off. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about the Bears coming back, defeating the Lions 27-23. DeAndre Swift for the Lions drops the go-ahead touchdown to win the game, and the Bears walk away, and the Lions allow Mitchell Trubisky to play football for another week. And that's my assessment of this game. <laughs> That, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, future MVP Russell Wilson beating the Atlanta Falcons 38-25. to Man, Russ Dangerous. So good at football. 31, so here's what happened. 31 for 35, game. over 300 yards, four touchdowns. So normally, right, the Seahawks are a running team, even though they don't have running backs or a particularly good offensive line. But they like to run the ball for the first half, build up a nice deficit, and then make Russell Wilson dig them out of a hole. (laughs) This year, Pete Carroll decided, hey, what if we just let Russell Wilson play the whole game? And look at that, a 13-point win week one. Yeah, uh, Lockett, Metcalf, Carson all had great receiving games in this this game. And that's just because, I mean, uh, Wilson was throwing it. Real quick, Taylor, how do you feel about Todd Gurley's – uh, debut with the Falcons, 14 carries, 56 yards, four four yards of average, and a touchdown. I mean, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think it's a fine uh, introduction for him, honestly. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about Cam Newton and the Patriots beating the Dolphins 21-11. to So, I get it. They only scored 21 points, but what you guys have to understand is the Patriots ran the football. They ran the option. They ate the clock, and this game was, I think, a bit more dominant than 21-11. to and also Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions. I don't like the Patriots or Cam Newton. Cam, I'm pretty sad. Cam Newton carried the ball 15 times. Sony Michelle carried it 10 times. Rex Burkhead carried it seven times. I mean, they were just they were they were running the football, and it was really fun watching Cam Newton rush two touchdowns. Uh, Chargers and Bengals. I've kind of already said it. Zach Taylor needs to issue an apology to the Bengals community and to Joe Burrow for not letting him try to win this football game. Uh, Taylor, were you disappointed in Terod Taylor's performance? Uh, he wasn't great. He was six for 30, 16 for 30 with just over 200 yards, <laughs> no touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. He and the chargers offense as a whole was pretty disappointing. The Bengals were significantly better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah. And, uh, I agree. Kind of feel bad for Joe Burrow here. Phil Jab- yeah. He should, he, sh- he should have had a win week one. All right. Cardinals and Niners. Honestly, I, <sighs> I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals won this game. They won 24-20, mm-hmm. and I was, I was still shocked. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. Kyler Murray was finding him everywhere. And Kyler Murray also had, get this, 91 rushing yards. Yeah, this game, it, it's... I mean, I picked the 49ers to win this last week, don't get me wrong. But it's not surprising, because both times the Niners played the Cardinals last year, the Cardinals almost won, and the Cardinals improved way more than the 49ers did. Yeah, I agree. And also, I was not impressed with the 49ers' run attack in this game, just just to put that on the record. I did not think it was very good. All right, Buccaneers and Saints. So, Taylor, was this the first Breeze-Brady we wanted? No, but it's the first Breeze Brady we should have expected. Yeah, and so Look, Taylor, I want you, I want you to talk about that because a lot of people think Brady's done, and you and I both know he's not. So go ahead and detail. This was this was a week one game, right? It, in in uh, 
New Orleans, which they didn't have, you know, the, the crowd like they normally do, but it's still a home game, right? The Saints are, by most people's counts, the favorites to win the NFC, right? And they're bringing back all of their key pieces, not changing much up, and in a world with limited OTAs and no preseason, Tom Brady on a new team with a bunch of other brand new players didn't, you know, they, they had some communication <laughs> issues and didn't fully click. Imagine that. Imagine like, that. Imagine being, imagine not being Mr. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Let's go over to the Cowboys-Rams game, which I'm honestly pretty shocked. Uh, Cowboys dropped this one 17-20. Lots of controversy. Lots of people saying that Jalen Ramsey uh, pushed off for an offensive pass interference on, I believe it was Michael Gallup. Um, and pretty much that sealed the win for the Rams. Look, I, I hate when games are blamed on penalties. The Cowboys just should have played better in this game. Yeah, if your entire game comes down to one penalty, you probably made some other mistakes before. Yeah. And the thing is, penalties balance out. Maybe not in every single game, but over the course of a season, for every pass interference call that you don't get called, like, one of them is in your favor. I agree. And here's the other thing. I want to touch on this real quick. I just love that the Rams knew who they were playing against. They had a fourth down with, like, two minutes left in the game, and they could have gone for it to seal the deal. But instead they thought... Two minutes, three timeouts, Dak Prescott, they can't score, and they didn't. <laughs> All right, let's head over to Monday Night Football now. There were two games. We've got the Giant or the Steelers at Giants here. Um, so the Steelers beat the Giants 26-16. This game was actually pretty decent in the first half, and then the second half it kind of just – the Giants kind of folded and the Steelers just kind of took things, you know, took care of things. So um, – Ben Roethlisberger, great return, three touchdowns. Benny Snell, we already talked about that. Um, I actually didn't hate Daniel Jones' play in this game. This, I think this was more of an issue with the Giants' running game. Yeah, I mean, I think this was more of an issue with the Giants. Look, for as bad as other teams have been, the Giants have lost have, have the fewest wins over the past three seasons. Yeah. And they just didn't improve enough to change that. I agree. And then finally, the last Monday night game starting at 10.30 at the night and not getting over till 1.30 in the morning was my Titans beating the Ugh. Broncos 16-14. to I've never seen a worse kicking game ever. Steven Kostowski left 10 points on the board but pulled through and kicked the game winner when it mattered. Couldn't believe Mike Vrabel put him in to kick the game winner. I just assumed they would go for the touchdown, which they kind of did the play before. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry did his job. Uh how did you feel about Drew Locke and Jared Judy in this game, Taylor? Uh, so, so overall, I was fairly happy with the the Broncos' offense. You know, they were down their wide receiver one, Cortland Sutton. Yeah, and it's a young offense. They made mistakes. I'm not saying they were great. I'm definitely not saying they deserved to win this game, but they showed some signs of what I think that they could be. Yeah, and they looked pretty solid. Again, you know, they they lost by two points. But that's with, you know, 10 points being kicked far right. So. Yeah, yeah. This game probably <laughs> should have been 23 to 14, but that's neither here nor there. All right, we're ahead to Pick'ems now. Uh, Taylor, can you explain real quick to everyone listening what Pick'ems are? Sure. So you just uh, you pick who's going to win the game, and that's pretty much it. For us, though, instead of picking, you know, every single game, we just pick 10 and give them uh, their worth weighted points. So 
you know, the game you're most confident in is worth 10 points, and the one you're least confident in is worth one, and so on in between there. And we just keep track of our totals throughout the season. But if you folks at home want to play along, just tweet us your picks, and you can uh, compare it to us, and, you know, maybe if you can beat us, we'll uh, send you something. But we're pretty good, except for we're not. Yep, exactly. So, all right, Taylor, what what were the results of week one? Uh, so I had 33 points and Angelo had 27. Yeah. This is out of a possible 55. So, you know, combined, we had just over a perfect week. Yeah. Uh, my big issue with my score was I picked the Colts at one. Yeah. So. Even I didn't do that. Yeah. I'm pretty upset about it. Alrighty. So let's go ahead and do our picks for this week. Taylor, you won the week. So take it away. Alright, so I've got the 49ers at 1, which I don't know how I feel about that, but that's where I put it, and I'm not changing it. (laughs) Then I've got the Ravens, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Saints. So, basically, uh, picks 2 through 5 are just the four best teams in the league. Imagine that. (laughs) Uh, Then I've got the Buccaneers, and then I have my Eagles losing to the Rams. (laughs) Uh, Steelers, Seahawks, and Colts to finish it out. Alright, alright. So... Uh, we've, we've got some, we've actually got some different picks, uh, this week, which is great. So I, I've got the Chiefs at one, Packers at, or sorry, Chiefs at one, Niners at two, Packers at three. I've got the Ravens down at four. I have the Vikings over the Colts at five. I have the Titans at six. I've got the Bills all the way down at seven against the Dolphins. I've got the Cardinals at eight. I've got the Buccaneers at nine and I have the Saints at 10 because I don't know. I feel like the Raiders <laughs> just might – this might be one of those games where it's like, crap, did the Raiders just beat the Saints at home? But it's the Saints, so I'm putting a point on them. So that's what we got. All right, to wrap up, of course, as you remember, we have our overtime. Uh, our overtime topic this week is, especially after week one, what happens if Minshew goes 4-4-4 four for four, or 4-4, four and four, I should say, by the ninth game. So if they're sitting, so if the Jaguars are sitting at 500 by game nine, and so here's their upcoming schedule. Okay. They play at Titans, Dolphins, at Bengals, at Texans, Lions, at Chargers, Texans. I was looking at that. It's super likely they're four and four at some point. And yeah. And honestly, if you're the Jaguars, at what point do you make an excuse to pull Minshew? And what was, what does that excuse look like so you can try to win the first round pick or the first selection? Honestly, honestly, I think it's it's interesting because a lot of people really like Gardner Minshew. Yeah. But as a fan personally, like I understand that you got to do what you got to do. And maybe not everybody would feel this way, but like, at some point, maybe you just try being honest, like, hey, we need to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. Right. But That's a good thought. I mean, I think, too, I think that Garland Minshew is going to have a career after Jacksonville. And I think that's kind of the good thing, right? I think that he's going to end up with mm-hmm. a team, whether it's, like, someone like the Vikings, you know, a team like that where, they're, where they've invested in an old quarterback, older quarterback for a while, and it's just not working out. They need someone younger and someone that they can develop. I think that teams like that are going to be interested in Gardner Minshew at some point. And I think that if he goes four and four or four, uh, yeah, four and four here by the ninth game, teams are going to be looking at him uh, for the, for Mm -hmm. the future. So that's what I see with Gardner Minshew going on. So everyone, thank you so much. That was episode 34. We're so excited to be back. Make sure you listen to us. Make sure you tweet us questions, comments, all that kind of cool stuff. We'd love to interact with you on our Twitter 
please go follow our Twitter, which is at G-G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E-S. It's the Gridiron's Goal Lines Football Podcast Twitter. And, uh, yeah, who are your bangers and busts this yeah, week? Let us know. Tell us who your bangers and busts were, please. And enjoy week two of football and this amazing Thursday night game we have tomorrow night. Browns-Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye.